Let us pray. God, we give you thanks that you have come to us and that you continue to come to us in times of need and in times of plenty, in times of want, and in times for rejoicing. Come to us even now and send your Holy Spirit on us that we might learn of you. Bless these, bless these words that in Jesus Christ we might know that we are truly known. Amen. This is our third installment in our sermon series on setting the stage, setting the stage for Jesus. Our focus today is preparing. Two weeks ago, we heard about seeing, seeing what God is up to with bifocals and telescopes. Last week, we heard from Alan Hilton about two different kinds of clocks, one that counts in seconds, minutes, and hours, and one that measures time in events and happenings. In this time of the year, we're to keep Advent time, paying attention to the moments, paying attention to what God is up to. This week, we will be hearing about preparing, about getting ready, and a never-ending Advent calendar. We've just heard four different portions of the Christmas story. In each of these, we find a snapshot of the people getting ready for Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the kings of the world. Everybody getting ready for the, com the gospel train coming their way. At least, that's what it seems like at first. Now, most of you would know how to fill in the blank here. The beginning of the 23rd Psalm goes something like this. The Lord is my... Oh, you're smart. You're bright. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Shepherd, shepherd is clearly the word. But the Hebrew there kind of means the Lord is one who takes me out into a pasture and acts like a shepherd towards me, but that's too many words, and so we just say shepherd. But as that word went from Greek into Latin and then to early English, the first translation of this psalm into English simply said, the Lord readies me. The Lord readies me. We lose the very explicit language of shepherd, but we gain something too. Now, the, the original sense of the word to ready meant to counsel, to govern, to rule. And so I kind of like this sense of it. The Lord readies me and in as the Lord prepares me and counsels me and guides me for what is next. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is often portrayed in Renaissance art as holding a book. I don't know if you've ever seen a Renaissance painting of Mary, but she's holding a book when the angel appears to her. And we can conjecture, maybe, that the book or the scroll she's reading from, maybe it's the Psalms. And maybe she's reading Psalm 23. And if we stretch our imaginations, we might see her, hear her say, the Lord readies me very piously, the Lord readies me, when suddenly all of a sudden an angel appears to her and as she says, well, I don't think I was ready for that. Mary looks from the angel 
to the scroll, to the angel, to the scroll, to the angel, and back again and says, I don't know what's coming next. The 23rd Psalm is very personal, as in, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord prepares me. The Lord gets me ready for what is next. And we, like Mother Mary, get to hear the voice of Scripture speaking quite directly to us, very intimately and personally. God's address to Mary through the angel is very personal to her, and yet it involves us. We get to overhear it. The angel's address to Mary becomes a word of preparation for all who would pick up the scroll and read, who would hear God's voice say, Hail, most highly favored one, the Lord is with you. This is a word for each of us and for the whole church and ultimately a, world, a word addressed to the world, the whole cosmos. People get ready. God is up to something and that something is salvation. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We hear about this preparation in bits and pieces in our scripture passages today. From God's perspective, this preparation has been in the works since the beginning of all things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That was a long time ago, way back in the beginning. And yet when God's preparation erupts on the scene, it catches every one of us off guard. Mary is just a young teenager going on about her business when her life is turned upside down, when an angel appears to tell her that she will bear the son of the Most High who inherit, will inherit the throne of his ancestor, David. No worries, though, LOL. The thing is, Mary has no time, has had no time to prepare for this news. The angel just shows up. The glory of God erupts on the scene, and it's no small wonder that Mary is perplexed. Perplexed by the angel's greeting and asks, what could all of this possibly mean? Now the angel says, I'm going to do my best Greek impersonation here, but she probably didn't hear it in Greek, she probably heard it in Aramaic or some other language, and it was equivalent We'll figure out the equivalent to what he said, the angel is saying. The angel is saying something like, Rejoice and be joyful, O one blessed with joy. Be in grace, you who are graced with God's loving kindness. Experience the favor of God, most highly favored one. The angel isn't simply just saying, Hey, how are you? Hi, Mary, it's nice to see you. The angel is doing something with a performative word announcing a total body experience. The angel says to Mary, from the top of your head to the tip of your toes, experience the fullness of God, wrapping you in the embrace of love and light, overpowering and empowering you in the same instance. God is in this place. And as much as you can stand it, God's presence is now overwhelming you. Experience the gift, most gifted one. Mary has had no time to prepare for this experience, the experience of the fullness of God, light, grace, 
Peace, joy, hope, faith, and salvation erupt all at once on the scene, and she cries out, my whole being is filled with God, and I can only sing a psalm of praise from the top of my head to the tip of my toys. I sing out joy and perplexity. She's had no time to prepare for this situation, but God gets her ready for what is next. And in fact, God is getting the whole world, the whole cosmos ready for what comes next. We hear the tiniest of clues about this in the story. How does the angel tell Mary to prepare? The angel says, you shall have a child and you'll call him Jesus. But we have to wait to the next story to figure out what this clue means. In our next story, the angel comes not to Mary, but to Joseph and says, your Mary, young Mary, to whom you are engaged is going to have a child. It's okay though, because this child is God's child and I can't explain it all now, but stay with me, stay with Mary. She's going to need you. When the child is born, you are to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All right. Wait a minute, what? Joseph doesn't really have a chance to respond because this is all happening in a dream. But thanks to, be, to God that Joseph has his dream journal right next to his nightstand there so that he, in the morning he can write it all down when he wakes up before it slips away into the hidden resources of the subconscious. Now, if Joseph wrote it down in Hebrew or Aramaic, he had a better chance of getting the play on words here. So what the angel was saying is something like this. Mary is going to have a son, and you are to call his name Yeshua, because he will yasha his people from their sins. Yeshua, yasha. They're connected. You see, the name of this child is all part of God's preparation plan. Yeshua and Yasha, Savior and Save. They're practically the same word as Joseph would have heard it. The angel clearly knows what's going on. We're the ones who miss the play on words. Call his name Yeshua because he will Yasha his people from their sins. Call his name Savior because he will save the people from their sins. Call his name Healer, because he will bring wholeness to his people. Call his name Rescuer, Redeemer, Deliverer, Liberator, because he will rescue, redeem, deliver, and liberate his people from their shortcomings, their failings, their guilts, their faults, their failures, for themselves and for the world, that is. God is saying, I'm making it so obvious. The name says it all. The world surely won't miss it. And if they miss the connection between his name, Jesus, and his being, salvation, then um, we'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. I can't make it more obvious, people. Get ready, God is saying. Okay, so far God has used one angel, maybe two, and has revealed part of the preparation plan to just two people, two important people for the unfolding of the story. But there has to be a bigger social media campaign 
So God gets the whole heavenly host involved and then a bunch of shepherds who have nothing better to do while watching their sheep graze than to get on their cell phones and open up their bleeder platform and bleat out all that would just happen. Guys, LOL, you won't believe what just happened. The skies just erupted with singing and the whole choir of angels said, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. As if, you can, can you imagine, God being pleased with the likes of us. And then the angel said, go to Bethlehem and see the baby, but not just any baby. This baby really is the Savior, the Messiah. OMG. There God goes again, revealing part of the plan what we see as a billboard as large as the sky. The anointed Savior, Messiah, Yeshua, the Lord, is to be born among you. Go and see. Salvation is on the way. Go and see what I am up to. But just in case you miss it, look for a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and not lying in a comfy bed, but in a manger. Go and see. I've put my billboard in the sky, but you've got to spread the news. Healing and restoration are on the way. We get one more clue to what God is up to. Peace. Peace on earth. Peace on earth for those with whom God is pleased. Peace. If we had Greek ears on, we would hear the word Irene. It's my grandmother's name, Irene. But Irene is an invocation of peace, peace of mind, an invocation of health and welfare for those addressed. If we had Hebrew ears, we'd hear something else. Shalom. This is what God makes. This is a primal part of the creation story. On the seventh day, God rested. That is, God created shalom, peace, health, welfare, and wholeness, restoration, shalom. Shalom is part of God's plan all along. Through the angel, God announces shalom to the whole cosmos with those whom God addresses as favored, adored, beloved. And this news for the cosmos, we find it on the billboard that God has prepared. Our fourth story is a bit of an outlier. There are no angels announcing God's preparatory work, but there is a star, and there are some wise guys, and a bad king, and a prophecy. The star could have taken a billion years to get to that place above the manger, a very long time. God has been preparing. The wise sages seeking the light, they journey far, and along the way they encounter an unscrupulous monarch. This is the first clue we have that the announcement of God's shalom, God's restoration of a just and righteous order, isn't going to be all that well received. The world, you see, isn't ready. It's not ready for God. It's had its head turned the other way, not letting know what the right hand, not, not letting the right hand know what the left hand is doing. The unscrupulous king is going to do something particularly evil, 
as the story unfolds, to try to stamp out God's shalom, God's restoration, God's salvation. We'll save that story for another day. It's important to know that God is there in the midst of the darkest of times, sending a light ahead to guide the way. And one of those little lights is a prophecy. For from you, O Bethlehem, shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And now we're back where we started. You remember that opening line from Psalm 23, the Lord is my, I shall not want, or the Lord readies me. The Lord rules me. The Lord prepares me for what is next so I can handle what's coming. The Lord is my shepherd. This Yeshua to be born is God's savior, healer, through whom God will restore shalom. It will happen in Bethlehem. It will happen wherever God is preparing us and the world to receive into our most highly favored hearts the dawn of God's saving grace. I said earlier that at the heart of this sermon is a never-ending Advent calendar. We just keep it day by day, opening it up. This is true. We are to daily, daily to go to God through scripture and prayer, to see what revelation, what little light, what insight, what neon sign in the heavens God has for us to point the way, to lay out the plan to shine that light on our path. Advent is a season of preparation. God's preparation first, ours follows. This is the pathway of righteousness upon which our shepherd leads us and gets us ready. As Curtis Mayfield of the Impression said 56 years ago, people get ready, there's a train a coming. You don't need no baggage, you just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. You don't need no ticket, you just thank the Lord. So people get ready for that train to Jordan, picking up passengers coast to coast. Faith is the key, open the doors and boredom. There's hope for all among those loved the most. There ain't no room for the hopeless sinner, the bad King Herod's who would hurt all mankind just to save his own. Believe me now, have pity on those whose chances grow thinner, for there's no hiding place against the kingdom's throne. So people get ready, there's a train a coming. You, do, you don't need no baggage, you just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. Don't need no ticket, you just thank the Lord. Thanks be to God whose preparation for the world's salvation began long ago and is still unfolding in our midst. People, get ready to join Mary and Joseph, the wise, wise sages of the East, the shepherds and the angels, to adore the one born Prince of Peace, bringer of God's shalom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.